Hey guys, I'm your host, Tim Dormer. Welcome to the extension of Pop Sugar Australia's pilot season of Popcast, back by popular demand. You might remember in the first half of the season we explored life after reality TV and now I'm going to be interviewing the masterminds that work behind the scenes on some of your favourite reality TV shows. In this episode, something a little bit different, we're talking to Logie Award winning producer Laura Waters. Now you might be familiar with some of her work, uh, she's produced all five of Chris Lilly's amazing comedy series, We Can Be Heroes, Summer Heights High, Angry Boys, Jemay Private School Girl and Jonah from Tonga. But not only has she worked on uh, the realm of comedy, but she's also experienced in creating groundbreaking documentaries. She's one of my favourite humans on the planet. We're good friends. Welcome to the show, Laura Waters. Thank you. You're one of my favourite humans too. um, You are a storyteller. Like, it's a different type of reality TV we're going to talk about today. Like, I mean, you haven't worked on any of the big shows like The Bachelor. Bachelor, Big Brother, or anything like that. No, I think yeah, it is. I think you've nailed it. Like it's all about storytelling, and that I started out working in reality-based television, and when I moved into scripted television, I thought, oh, this is going to be such a different world, but it really isn't. I think it's really similar because in reality television, you come up with a concept, you come up with a kind of, you know journey, for lack of a better word, (laughs) that you want people to go on. And then, you know, the truth is you cast it, you write it, you figure out the people that you want to talk to who are going to say the things that you want them to say to get you to that, to tell that story, which is the same thing that you do with scripted television. You know, you come up with an idea, you think of a story that you want to tell, you write it, you cast it. So it's... I think it's all storytelling and it's all more similar than you might mm. think. I mean, the story almost comes first with the type of TV that you're creating and, and your job yeah. is, I guess, to authentically protect that. So the finished yes. product tells that story. It's interesting you say that. I think, yeah, there is something where I think I get attracted to a special idea or a special person or some kind of story that I think isn't being told. And then I feel like it's my job to help that story come out and protect whatever the special thing is about it, you know, with my life. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I mean, is that why you, you got into making television? You're, you are passionate about telling those stories and then finding those things, yeah. those people that, that need to be seen by others. Is, yeah. Well, the truth is that I, I mean, growing up in America, you can probably tell from my weird accent, um, yeah. I grew up in the States and was just so keenly aware of the injustices in that country that are, you know, so intense and getting even more intense mm. now. It's so upsetting. Um, but so my first kind of drive was just to help people and to tell those stories and to be able to kind of right wrongs. And I did that for a while in America and I did it in England for a little while. And then I, and here as well, I worked for the 730 report and made some other kinds of, you know, current affairs news Mm -hmm. kind of shows. Um, but this country's so balanced. (laughs) What do you mean by that? I remember I worked on this youth current affairs show called Attitude and we did a story, we did an episode on racism and all the research came in and it was all about like Greek people and and Italians and I was like, what? 
they're all white. Like, what is this really? The these are the biggest like race issues in this country. Yeah, <laughs> and right. um, and I and I thought I, I feel like I can do better work. So I started getting into um, scripted television where you can kind of, especially comedy, you can be at weirdly edgier and say things about what's going on in the culture in a kind of way where people. You're, you know, well, the kind of comedy I like to make, it's like you're secretly sending messages, but mm. people are laughing, but mm. they're sort of getting the point. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's how I kind of ended up more in entertainment. Okay, well, let's talk about the um, the doco reality series, uh, the high school series, and the Grace and Happiness Project. Yeah. Was that like a, a new endeavour? Were, were they projects that you you knew it was comfortable ground or it was it was totally scary new how am I going to do this everything's always scary yeah <laughs> I don't I'm waiting for the project that's like yeah <laughs> um, but with the with the year 12 and year 7 shows they really started because my daughter went through year 12 yep. and because I didn't grow up here and I didn't really understand the education system here um when I saw what she was going through and her friends in year 12, I thought, this is inhumane. I oh, can't hell. believe yeah. this. Because in America, to get into university, they look at your grades from your entire high school career. They look at your extracurricular activities. You write a big essay that's yeah. really important that, yep. that they pay a lot of attention to. Sometimes you do an interview. So it's very holistic. Whereas here it was like you got one year you get one number, one number. you're yeah. in or you're out. And I watched all these kids that I knew that were, you know, my daughter's friends who were perfectly fine kids in year 11, literally just develop horrible anxiety issues mm. that kept carrying on. I watched a lot of the, a lot of her friends, um, ha- like enroll in college and then have to pull out because they were so exhausted or fragile and then they'd have to have some you know a gap year or whatever mm. so I was like this is terrible so initially I thought I'm just going to find a bunch of kids around the country get them cameras and create a YouTube channel mm-hmm. so that everybody can upload their stories and at least they'll know they're not alone and they can go I'm going through this too and they can support each other um, and I was telling somebody at the ABC how I was going to do this and they were like do it as a TV show um, for us. Wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I'm a TV producer. I could do that. So um, so that's what we did. <laughs> and um, the terror part came in really early because yeah. there was no... I had a bunch of ground rules. Um, the main ones were it's got to be the kids telling their own stories. There's no parents. There's no teachers. There's no psychologists. Yeah. It's just got to be them talking to camera yeah so there were logistical things about how are we going to set that up and how are they going to film themselves and get to us um and so we were sort of trying to figure out that process and then i talked to a producer in the uk who had made a self-shot series with um school kids was while we were casting and he said our main problem was that it was really boring Mm. <laughs> and that we were we were going to make 10 episodes we only made 6 because nothing happened so that just really put more fear into me than yeah. anything else and i was like oh my god so we just were really really super careful with the casting i think um we had almost a thousand people send in you know audition tapes and um 
but we ended up, yeah, casting 14 kids. And how did you choose who you cast? Because I'm sure there were some really, really interesting kids that, yeah. for whatever reason, weren't suitable for yes. the project. What yes. were those decisions that you had to make? Well, we wanted, it was a real matrix. And probably the first um, kind of, the most important thing was, are these people going to be able to tell their own stories? Because we're not prompting them. Mm. So um, are these, you know, in interviews or in their initial auditions, when they would talk about things, were they good storytellers? Yeah. You know, and did they have a sense of humor? Was it entertaining to hear, you know, if you say to somebody, what did you do last week? And they go, I just went to school and took a test you know Mm. then you're not making it through but if you go oh my god yesterday my cat threw up and you know my mom got mad and i had to and then i clean you know and if that story takes five minutes and you're like that's my that's my person there yeah yeah (laughs) so the first thing is can you tell your story um and then we were really careful we wanted it to be Uh, you know, really diverse. So we wanted to make sure, first of all, that there are people from all different parts of the country, that we had city people, rural people, you know, different races, different socioeconomic backgrounds. So it was a really huge jigsaw puzzle to put together. Yeah. And actually, I think initially we only wanted 12 kids. um, And I thought, oh, well... It was really hard to get it down. Yeah. <laughs> um, so w- I was like, all right, let's do 14 because probably a couple will drop out anyway. Like yeah. they're teenagers. They're going through the hardest year of their lives. Surely at least two of them will get yeah. sick of us and drop out. And nobody dropped out. Yeah. Wow. Did you ever um, like question uh, the reasons why they were wanting to do it themselves? And was that an ethical decision? Because, I mean, when we're talking about reality TV and, and the types of people that are, are applying and these days it's a lot of people that just want to be famous. Yes. I guess these are young adults who may be wanting that same thing or thinking that, oh, I'm going to be on a TV show. Yes. And Was that a hard decision? Well, luckily we could kind of like sniff those people out early. So anybody right. who applied and you could tell they were like, I want my Instagram numbers to go up. Mm. They just didn't get through. Yeah. So the goal, and it ended up being true. The goal was to get kids who were, who almost felt like they were on a bit of a mission and who understood that, that what they were going to go through was going to be tough and that, they're sharing their experience might help other people. Mm. I mean, I know that sounds really hokey, um, but it actually was true. And those yeah. were the kinds of kids that we cast. I mean, that didn't mean they were boring. They were, you know, not so in fun. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I think they all, at the end of the day, and including, because then we did another series with, you know, Year Sevens, mm. and they had the same feeling. Like, this is something that I hope will help other people. I mean, we were really acutely aware of the fact that, number one, they're teenagers and, you know, so they're kids. So we, you know, there's a line there of, like, protecting them mm. while also being able to tell an entertaining and, mm. you know, important story um and especially with the 12 and 13 year olds yeah but i don't know there's just something that you get like a gut feeling about certain things and you just wouldn't know and then how much contact did you have with the parents and sort of um easing any fears or paranoia they had about 
their kids being yeah. involved with the TV show? Well, we talked to them first up, you know, before they did it, and we yeah. made sure that they were really aware of what was going to happen. And, you know, funnily enough, like, because <laughs> and then we had a really big session that you were a part of before we went to air to kind of warn them about what might happen when we went to air. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. You, you got me in and um, the parents were in the room and all the kids, and this is before it had gone to air. And, yes. And you got me up to say, like, uh, I don't know, sort of what, what to expect. And, and I remembered what it was like just before I'd been on reality TV. And there is that anticipation of, oh, my gosh, like, it, it, as exciting as it was, there was a scary part where you knew that you were about to hand over your vulnerabilities and yes. and people might not like you. And, and that's kind of what I shared with them that, yeah. I don't know, the reason is that we're not doing it, I guess, to, to be liked and, and understand that not everyone will. But like you said, the reason yeah. was that we were there to create something that was going to help people and that, that it should be raw and it should be real. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a scary thing. You know, it's a scary thing, especially, well, like what you went through with Big Brother, it's warts and all. And these kids, you know, literally it was like acne and all because they were, <laughs> you know, they were doing, they were, we had a, one of the rules was you have to do at least five minutes every night so that they got used to speaking to the camera. Yeah. And we didn't want to be a thing they pushed to the side and didn't do. And, you know, a lot of times the girls were like, you know, doing literally doing facials or had no makeup on or, you know, and a lot of them were crying Mm. or going through really painful things. Um, And I was really scared. I didn't want any of them to suffer from haters or somebody Mm. going, oh, she's fat, you know, or she's ugly or whatever. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's why I was really glad. And that was part of the reason I got you in is just, you know, and you really talked about how important it was to rely on the people around you who yeah. know you. And um, yeah, but the parents in that session, because another thing we said to them is you can review all the footage before it comes in. Feel right, free yep. to like, if there's anything you don't feel comfortable about, let us know. Yeah. I don't think they do that on The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. You're so good. That's like a whole other show, like the parents watching the rushes of The Bachelor. That would be a really good show. Uh, but um, but the parents said that, you know, some of them, like the first week, were watching and then they're like, ugh, this is just so boring. And then <laughs> just right. stopped watching stopped the footage. Caring, yeah. But we would get in touch with them if we thought there was something, a family issue or yeah. we just want, you know, we had one girl who... Um, developed anorexia while we were filming wow. and you know so there were lots of and and other mental health issues that came up mm. and it was like oh you know so we had to make a lot of decisions about when we were going to get in touch with the family or did we have any duty of care to step in in one case we yep. did but yep. um yeah so there were especially because it was kids lots of issues like that yeah and how do you think um, when it went to air, the kids themselves processed it? Do you did you get much feedback from them during it going to air? Or? Well, one magical thing that happened in that you know couple of days where you came in was um, we got all. 14 of them together they'd never met they didn't know who each other were because we didn't want them communicating during the year we didn't want them influencing each other so they all arrived and you know as i've said they were like all completely different people from completely different backgrounds they you know none of them really had anything in common Mm. (laughs) 
and they immediately bonded. It mm. was crazy. It was like they felt like they'd all had this purpose together that they'd all contributed to. And um, I remember the first night we took them out to dinner and then they all went to somebody's hotel room and, you know, had a night together, whatever yeah, it was. And the next morning I saw um, one of the guys who was like private schoolboy from Melbourne and um and uh, and he was and I said what is going on like you guys are just bonnet you have nothing in common and he said to me well you know I'm just surrounded by like white rich kids from Melbourne yeah. if you introduce me to some kid who's gone to school in like the outback I'm way more interested in talking wow. to him. And I was like, wow, okay, that's awesome. Oh, so that's amazing because yeah. I guess that's this that's what you want other kids who are watching to feel that yes. and see different experiences and, and yeah. feel connection. Totally. Because yeah. I think one of the great things that came out of the show, and that's why I'm so glad that it was so diverse, is that obviously you see all these different experiences, but there were the things that were in common amongst all of them were were so much more interesting which was basically that they were all going through didn't matter how much money you had or where you lived they were all going through the same intense mm. anxieties mm. and fears about their future and you know boyfriend girlfriend things and yep. parents and all those things they're they're the same it doesn't matter where you live or yep. who you are so yeah and do you feel like the initial um intention of creating the show it it had the impact it was there yeah, I mean, did the truth come out about what you wanted to tell about that year of high school, and yeah. and, and did it change things? I think it's. I think it has. I think that um, immediately. I think even before we went to air, there started to be conversations and you know opinion pieces in the paper. And yeah, there was and, a lot of press on the show. Yeah, and there were things. There were some schools that did change their systems. Um, and I know that it's a conversation that we got started. Yeah. So, and now, because um, shows that get played in schools get very monitored. So I know, like, by far of all the shows we've made, it's been the most watched in schools and it continues to be. And we'll keep promoting that. Um, but, yeah, I think it will have a long tail, as mm. they say. <laughs> All right, let's talk about uh, the Graceland Happiness Project. Yeah. So that was the so for those listening that are fans of Big Brother, uh, Ben Zabel, who Ben from Brisbane, it was me and him. We went on a trip over to Graceland where Elvis Presley lived. Uh, that was his dream, and I remember. Um, what, what, how did that start? <laughs> how did that start, Laura? Because uh, yeah, you and I we, we were friends and we were kind of talking about ideas, and and I said. Like, I, I really yeah. want to take Ben to Graceland and I really want to do this thing for him. And at what point did we go, why don't Let's we film do it? it? Why? Like, I, I don't think, think that was the initial thing. It yeah, was the, it, it was, wasn't. Ben, ben and I had just come off the back of Big Brother and, and he was struggling with mental health issues. And, and I mean, it, yeah. it was public. He had yes. been talking about it and, and I... I'd made this promise that I would take him over on this dream holiday because 
I, I just wanted to do something as a friend that would kind of take him out of this rut that he was in in his life, get him out of his apartment. And um, we didn't know what was going to happen. It, no. it was scary, wasn't it? It was so scary. It was, I th- I've told you this a hundred times, but it was the scariest thing I've ever made in my entire life. <laughs> oh, I don't know if that's something I'm <laughs> and proud of or not. I made a lot not. of scary things. Well, it was scary for a bunch of reasons. I think initially we were looking, we were looking to do some sort of a series on happiness in general. That's right, yeah. And and we'd been developing that and going along. It was really difficult to kind of figure out the mechanics of that. And then I can't remember exactly what the moment, the aha moment was, but yeah, it was like, well, you had made, <laughs> you'd made a video. Well, on Big Brother, you'd said, I am going to take, take Ben to, to if I win, yep. I'm going to take Ben to Graceland. And then you'd made a video before I think I even met yeah. you where you'd surprised Ben at his apartment. And said, he was in go. his pajamas <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and said, I'm taking you. And he was freaking out. So it was like, well, let's just crowdfund. Let's like crowd, yeah. crowdfund some money and just send you guys to Memphis. Yep. And, te- you know, and it was... I mean, it was terrifying because normally when you make a television show, you have some boss, you know, at a network that you make into the bad guy. And, you know, <laughs> you're like, no, they're not letting me do what I want to do. And um, and this time we had no boss. Yeah. We had other people's money. Yeah. Not very much. Like not enough, you know, not enough, not enough make, money. Yeah. <laughs> but um, And we'd promised to do something that was going to be really great. And I felt like we had a real responsibility to the people that had donated. Yeah. I felt that pressure way because more than they to were, a network almost. Because they were fans almost. and also friends who wanted to come on the journey. They yeah. wanted to see um, what would happen when Tim and Ben went on this yeah. trip. And, and, and we didn't really know either. Yeah. We just thought probably going to be good but <laughs> we didn't really know but it i mean it was just such a risk like the um yeah. at, was there any time that you thought this is just too raw or too real yeah in a way so we i you know weren't sure if it was like the mentally responsible thing yeah. to do for him to suddenly get on a plane yep. but he wanted to go and his psychologist said said it would actually be healthy for him to go. So, um, and we already had all the money and the plans, and yep. I can't remember. I think we may have even bought the tickets. Yeah, it was yeah. all happening. So, um, so that was scary. And then the But direct, that's when it yeah. was real, wasn't it? That's when we went, oh, holy Yeah, crap. this isn't like, like a fun... No. Yeah. And the, the, I guess that in, the initial of why we want to tell this story... Is yeah. because we uh, it wasn't just Ben. We'd realised that it was a there's something about mental health we wanted to tackle. And can you kind of yeah? I don't know. And and what does a friend do in that situation? Totally. Mm. But he he still wanted to do it. And I think we'd kind of thought, uh, you know, we have to build stories. So we had all these things that you guys were going to do. Yeah. You know that were around Elvis and Graceland and stuff like that. But I remember when you and I were in the edit at one point going, you know what? Nobody ever gets to talk about suicide in a way that is really honest and, you know, really accessible. Mm. (laughs) And we have this opportunity. Mm. So how far can we push this? And that I think was the most terrifying moment because it was like, well, now we're out there. We can talk about something really important 
um, we don't have anybody monitoring us. So we can yeah. <laughs> tell the story in any, yep. it's like a huge responsibility, but nobody's going to like give us any boundaries. Yep. We have to decide. That was really scary. Yeah. Um, but I think we walked the line pretty well. And it's a quite, you know, it's a really funny series, mm. but it is quite emotional as well. It, it was really um, like overwhelming when it went, to air during Mental Health Week on ABC yeah. Two, and and I, they got me live tweeting during it, and it was just the the responses from people that I don't know that it just clicked with them that here I thought we were just these two silly friends on this holiday, but it it really resonated with people. It was yeah, and I was so proud that we'd actually done that. Yeah, and it went on. It actually won quite a few awards as well, which I don't. I never care about awards, but with that one, I was so proud that it was recognized internationally yeah. like that. Yeah. Won the New York City New York Web, Web Fest yeah. Best Documentary, and you know, so that was a real scary achievement. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that like being part of Big Brother and this this podcast series that we're doing where we're talking about the big reality TV sort of game shows I guess they are and they're overproduced but then being a part of something like the Grace and Happiness Project where it's underproduced <laughs> underproduced <laughs> yeah. but I mean when it, you are right it's just about stories but I guess whether you protect a story to share it so it's received in its authenticity or whether you can exploit and manipulate a story so it's received maybe to a greater audience. And I feel as though that's what these big overproduced reality TV shows are about. They're authentic stories. They're real people, but maybe they're just sort of tweaked a little bit more or taken out of context a little. And maybe there's less care for for the people that... Yeah, that are part of it. I don't think there's any kind of storytelling that's bad. And I think the point of those of those kinds of shows is to reach more people. Yeah. So, you know, that's not a bad thing. I because I, I think at the end of the day, all of you know, this is a bit deep and philosophical, but I think we're all the world is so chaotic and life is so confusing. And I think that storytelling is a way of just helping all of us understand or try to make sense of like how we get through life. Mm. How did you do it? How did you do it? How did you do it? And I don't think there's any like bad storytelling. It's all good if it helps people to kind of make sense of things. I think I have enormous respect for people who work in advertising mm. because they're telling stories in 30 seconds or sometimes 15 seconds. Like mm. they they really have to get to like the absolute core of what it is that they're trying to say and they have to do it so concisely. I, that is I think that's weirdly the most sophisticated kind of storytelling. Well, does it come down to, like, is it just about making money that that reality TV on big network shows, it is to make money? Yes, it is. I guess if you... And and so the type of storytelling is advertising in a way, (laughs) just in a longer form. Yeah, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing. Like, are the shows advertising getting you to watch the ads or are the 
ads, you know, or or are you just coming for the shows and then you're, you know, it's, it's yeah, buying. The I don't know what the answer to that is, but yeah. I think you can tell when something's generating a positive message. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so are you a reality TV fan yourself? Do you watch yes. those big shows? Um, I'm obsessed with the Kardashians. Yeah? Yeah. Really? <laughs> I've always loved soap operas <laughs> so, <laughs> from the time I was really young. So I'm probably just a sucker for any kind of like dramatic storytelling. Oh, I used to watch Days of Our Lives in my grandmother's yeah. lounge room every day <laughs> that I was there. Yes, exactly. I love soap operas. I used to like schedule my college courses around them. So <laughs> Do they still exist? Or is that what know. reality TV morphed from? I think so. Yeah. But one thing that I like about reality television I actually think really they're comedies wow yeah you know they're kind of they're designed and they have the rhythm of comedies Mm -hmm. and so they have they have drama um, but really they they all have a like great sense of humor and is is that to do with the producing like what reality tv shows do you think are are well produced and which ones do you think are are not so well produced things like big brother or um the kardashians or there were this series of shows that came out in like the early 2000s i think Mm. um like laguna beach the hills Mm. Mm. the city those shows to me were unreal because yeah. they look like dramas and yeah. they feel like dramas. It was confusing to real- watch. I, I kind of, I remember when they first came in and I was like, how do they like yeah. get these people to do these things? And I was like, is it in in an episode are they offered money like, oh, if, if, if you can organise a date with that person, you get this amount in your contract. Like, how are they getting these people to do these things? I know. I think that people just, as you would kind of know, at first... You're like, oh, there's a camera following me. And then you just forget and mm. you just get used mm. to it. And, um, yeah. So, I have I, I have a lot of respect for any kind of um, dramatic storytelling out of real people's lives. I watch so many documentaries and feature documentaries. And, and sometimes, you know, you find yourself just so wrapped up in a story and so wanting to know what happens and but then as like a producer I'll look back and go how did that work how did the structure of that take me here and why do I care so much because mm. you do have to craft it and in, in a way that is going to take an audience with you can you sniff it out when when someone's not authentically reacting like it or they might be delivering a line that's obviously been given to them yeah you can tell yeah you can tell i mean even like on the kardashians or you know you know that they're reading scripts sometimes yeah yeah you can tell when things are real and and if some of it's sometimes on those types of reality shows you're like i know that whole storyline is completely made up it's all right it's just entertainment (laughs) i i wonder how yeah that's it it is just entertainment at the end of the day but you wonder is is it authentic? You know, we're not getting all of it. They have made themselves incredibly vulnerable. They've opened mm. up their lives mm. for most of their lives. And the main message that comes through from that show is about family and about being open with each other. You know, they have vicious fights mm. where they say things to each other that I wouldn't allow in my family. <laughs> but but it's kind of healthy. And yeah. I respect that they're so open. So I think that that, and I don't know, I feel like you can see it in the culture. It makes people a little more ballsy and a little more out there. And yeah. But the message of like family comes first, I think, I think that's a good message. Mm. 
Have you seen the series Unreal? Yeah, I watched the first, the whole first series and part of the second series, and then I think I started making a show and stopped. Yeah, to watch it. <laughs> I mean, is there any similarities to the type of experiences you've you've had being a TV producer? Where you are you ever telling people to say certain things to get a reaction or outcome? Um, I mean, I have never been that like vicious and manipulative, but yeah, for sure, it's it for sure. You are always going. This is the story that I want to tell, and I'm going to use these real people to tell it. So I guess as long as you feel like whatever it is that you're trying to say isn't hurtful, mm. then then it you know it's all kind of for a good cause. I would yep. never like, I would never have forced somebody to do something that they were later going to regret. Sometimes you do have to say to people, "I want you to talk about this," or "I want you to talk about that," or mm. you know. So yeah, you do have to craft it to some extent, but then maybe that's protecting the story as well because if. If you can't tell it, I remember really early on when I first moved here, I made this um, documentary where I spent six weeks in the neonatal unit of the Royal Children's Hospital and followed sick babies. And so we had all these stories that, you know, when when we were in the edit, there was the one it was the most dramatic one where I'd followed this woman from before she was in labor. And she said, you know, my baby has a heart issue. Um, we don't know how it's going to go. And then, you know, had the whole setup of the whole thing. And um, and then I got the call, went in the middle of the night, went all the way through the birth, went mm. through. There was an operation she had to have, like, she was born with, like, a black heart or something. And wow. she had to have a heart transplant immediately. Went through the whole thing, you know, went through her recovery, the baby being okay. Mm. And then she didn't tell me when she left the hospital. Mm. Um so when she left we didn't film her and um, my executive producer was like well then we can't use that story oh wow and I was like oh well I can go talk to her now and she was like no you didn't get her leaving the hospital so you can't tell that story and why why did they think that was so important (laughs) I don't know in hindsight I think we probably could have but it was a really good lesson to me of like in reality you you have to be able to tell the story yeah and you don't do anybody any favors if you avoid some part of it that you think is painful or is difficult to cover or or even just a pain in the ass to get there whatever it is you you got to you need all the chapters. Yeah, guess, to, to protect story. The, the story. Yeah, right. Yeah. I always wonder what happened to that little girl. It's a, I guess, <laughs> it's fascinating that they're, they're real characters that live on after the show is made. I guess yeah. when you kind of, and it's something scripted and it's fictional. Yeah. If you were to bring them back to life, it's just writing them out again. But that's that's what reality TV is, I guess. It's real people that keep... The story doesn't end. The it chapters do keep ends. getting written. I was going to ask, would you ever do reality TV? But you, I'm, you, I'm sure you have. <laughs> Haven't you popped up in Kendra? <laughs> yeah, you did a little spot in Kendra. <laughs> I did. I'll tell you why I did that. Well, I did it. I have a friend who produces, yeah, a reality show in America called Kendra. I think it's called Kendra on Top now. And I was coming to L.A. Anyway, it's a long story, but he was like, I want you to have coffee with Kendra and invite her to um, come to Australia. And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, But and then it became clear to me that he wanted to film it. And I was like, oh, no, I don't 
want to be on television. I don't, you know, <laughs> it's not what I do. Yeah. And, uh, and he really, he's a very good at talking people into things. So he really was talking me into it. And then I thought, you know what? I should know what this is like. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I love watching those shows. Yeah. So it'll be interesting from that point of view. But also, if I'm going to make people go through this, I should know what it feels like to oh, go wow. through it. Yep. You know, I've always thought I should probably take an acting class for the same reason, just like to understand wow. um, what the people I'm working with are going yeah. through. And so I did. It was fascinating. (laughs) And I ended up having to do it twice. (laughs) Uh, But, um, yeah, it was fascinating. And then I could see the extent to which it was real, how much, you know, how much was real, how much was set up, Mm. um, what it felt like to go through that. And also how weird it is to kind of land in the middle of one of those shows because I was, I'd never met her before. Um, and we really hit it off, but you're never, you know, part part of your brain the whole time is is it, it's like you're double thinking all the time. Yeah. You're going first of all, are you really getting along with me, or are you just getting along with me for television? For tele- yeah, wow. And then everything yep. you're saying, you're like, well, this is what I would really say to you if I was just talking to you, and I guess that's the point of what we're doing. But then at the same time, is that going to edit? And like. <laughs> I absolutely understand that because that is the existence I lived on the Big Brother for three months and I don't think it's healthy. It's really exhausting. It is exhausting to kind of be constantly aware of that that you're making something that people are going to watch and and, and judge and and is is it real existence or not. And I think, yeah, it's interesting that you had that experience in that short moment that you totally and i later was like it are we was that like are we friends you know i don't know i mean not that i expected to you know suddenly be dming her every day or anything but just it felt like we connected and in fact weirdly then i invited her to stay at my beach house and she did oh wow (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but they filmed it. So I don't know. <laughs> it's all a bit confusing. Would you ever, like, what would the Laura Waters reality TV show be? Would it be interesting? Oh, would you ever let that your life sometimes. be followed by cameras 24 7? I would never let my life be followed 24 7. But it would be so suspect. I think I live a cliffhanger life like every day. Yeah. I'm constantly moving around. I fly around all over the place and I'm always doing, you know, because of my work. It's like, is it going to happen or is it not going to happen? And, mm. the, you know, it's there's a drama. I could pr- I could give you five or six storylines just from yeah. today. And how would you be portrayed <laughs> or would you be worried that you could be I don't know, sort of, your reputation could be manipulated. I think, you know, I guess today, you know, like in the world that we live in right now, I think it's particularly scary, Mm. especially with comedy, because sometimes you're just joking around. And one way to get a laugh is to be kind of edgy or to say something that is inappropriate because that makes, you know, laughter comes from being a bit uncomfortable mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know you do something absurd or you know a bit on the edge and people laugh because it's it's really actually a bit of like discomfort and you're trying to equalize it, the you know the situation normalize it so anyway so i think yeah i think you can be taken out of context today mm. so easily mm-hmm. 
and the things oh, yeah, that people, people's are reputation can be destroyed but oh by outrage and, and you're right trial it's, by media that it's it's never really about what the initial intent was yeah and that's i think i've found probably the most painful thing of this era is that you can be a really well-intentioned person and i've lived through a little bit of this with some of the things some of the shows that i've worked on that you can be really well-intentioned and do great work but hit somebody's nerve and just be taken down in a twitter storm yeah you know in an hour or wow. whatever yeah and and then you don't really have the you're not really expected to defend yourself properly you're expected to just apologize yeah. and walk away yeah and so you never get the chance to go you misunderstood you've I'm and you sorry. felt like that has there been cases where you've with, gone through that yeah definitely and it's really frustrating because you know you think well i've I've done something good and I've done something really well-intentioned and I can't explain that. Mm, mm. So I think that would be the scariest thing <laughs> I'd be worried about. I'd be worried about that, about being taken out of context or mm. misunderstood and taken down. That would be scary. Is it, I mean, we're talking about reality TV, it's enduring appeal and... and how it's evolving. How do you think culture and, and the, the world we live in now and that, and the, are we becoming more conservative Conservative, or the voices of that outrage, are they going to stop the sort of stuff we can create? Well, I feel, I think we're in a really tricky time right now because this is what I'm starting to think recently that because there's this whole kind of right wing you know, really kind of angry, tribal, um, political power that's, you know, really taking hold in a lot of, you know, here and in America and in the UK. Um, it's so painful for people that are being, um, you know, victimized by that kind of conversation. So, weirdly, it's kind of, uh, making a demon of the left. This is hard to explain. But I just think that because of the rise of the right, there are so many people that are really in pain. And so they're much more sensitive to things that in the past wouldn't have been painful. Mm, mm. And so, you know, any kind of racial thing, any mm. kind of, um, you know, the Me Too movement, all these mm. things are brilliant things. And 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 the fact that women are feeling more powerful yep. and that people of different races and I think the next frontier will be and people of different socioeconomic backgrounds can wow. also feel powerful and yep. um you know that's a really great thing but there are victims <laughs> and some of those victims that are coming down in the process I just I think are innocent so I think it's also stifling some conversation and it means that um, you know, where I've always felt, particularly with comedy, that it's really important to show the issues with the world the way that it is. So if there's racism, then show racism. Mm -hmm. um, if there's sexism, then show sexism. Mm -hmm. And in television at the moment, there's really a move towards no, wow. show diversity show that everybody is equal, show that everybody is powerful. And yeah. I think that's an important thing to yep. do. But I also think that if that's all you do, then you never get a chance to talk about what's wrong. 
because all you're doing is saying that everything's okay. And it isn't. It isn't mm. okay. Mm. So I think there has to be room on in the television landscape to have both those conversations, to be able to go, well, this is what a world would look like if it were perfectly balanced. But also, this is kind of what it's actually like. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, and, and this is reality. Yeah, this is reality. Let's like talk about it. And if it bothers you, let's do something about yeah. it. I love it. Laura Waters, thank you for your insight. Uh, very you. different take That's on behind the scenes of reality TV. <laughs> I'm really passionate about um, what you just said, about it being represented truthfully and authentically, no matter how messy it might be or how uncomfortable it makes people feel. Yeah. Maybe they need to feel uncomfortable if it needs to be talked about and then shown. Yeah. I, I can't wait for the day The Bachelor falls crumbling down that mansion. <laughs> like in Unreal. Oh, I don't want to oh, do yeah, any spoilers. Spoiler alert. It, it's not real. Yeah. And I think we're all cottoning onto that. But it's entertaining. Yeah. And at the end of the day, sometimes, sometimes you, need you just too. need a laugh. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Oh, thanks, Laura, Thank for coming you. on the show. Thanks for having me. Okay, guys, we've reached the end of this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. In two weeks, we'll have our next special guest, so make sure you tune in to hear it all. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Acast, and all the places you normally listen to your podcasts. See you soon.